0: Entertainment Weekly critic Lisa Schwarzbaum said that this movie provides a fair amount of shallow fun, pretending that 1980s heavy metal was actually heavy. Kimberly Jones of the Austin Chronicle wrote, Okay, so the plot's as fantastical and absurd as that whole awful era, but damned if it isn't a good time. And letterboxed user PGK raved, Big hair, wild clothes, broken hearts, and rock and roll My Kinda of film. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of
1: Rockstar!
2: Rip, <laughs> <laughs> re re Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast.
3: Greetings, Starfighters!
0: Wow. <laughs> Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. Greetings. Welcome ruined to eardrums.
3: Ruined Eardrums. <laughs> ruined
0: ruined adulthoods
3: you know what this we are a a metal podcast there's no way around it you know we 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 just can't help but just rock really hard all the time enough of that easy listening bullshit in our nature
0: for us to rock we are genetically engineered to be as metal as as humanly possible and nobody could even look at us and think otherwise
3: <laughs> no not at all i mean you you take a sick one look at us and you're just yeah like, wow, i
0: mean even if metal. you don't see us together like you'll see one of us and be like, be like that is the most metal dude i've ever seen until you see the other one and then you see the other one you're like maybe
3: that guy's more metal yeah. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Ruin Childhoods. We are talking about Rockstar from 2001 on this episode. Dan, do you have anything else that you wanted to add about Vertigo? Um, I wish it
0: was more metal, but otherwise, no.
3: <laughs> yeah, not enough metal. Not enough no. metal. Uh, I was thinking back to... There are so many metal movies that I love. Uh there okay, let me go down my ranking of like favorite metal movies if you will. Uh Heavy Metal Parking Lot is easily top 5. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Are you not seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No, it just made me think of this like this thing I saw online
0: about like Stix's a bus being parked in a Walmart parking lot and like rocking too loud and like someone in a trailer nearby complaining. So. Okay. Is that a heavy metal parking lot sticks?
3: No. Let me tell you about heavy metal parking lot. So this came out. I probably, well, I mean, it was created in like 86 And it was, like, these guys who went around with a video camera, just a camcorder, in the parking lot before a uh, Judas Priest and Dokken concert. Judas Priest, which will come up later. Mm -hmm. And Dokken concert in, like, is it Maryland or Delaware? It might be Delaware. And it's these... and it's just going around to all these different groups of people hanging out outside their cars before going in, and you know, they're they're drinking and they're getting high and stuff. And it's the most amazing people you'd ever see. And they're all like, you know, in their late teens, mostly early 20s, and they're just these huge metalheads, and it's these people going around to the camcorder, which at the time a camcorder was quite the novelty. You didn't see a lot of people going around with cameras. And it's these people being interviewed just about like their experience and how much they love Judas Priest and Dokken and oh my God, it's so much fun. And um, the filmmakers did a couple of uh, follow ups where they did uh, Harry Potter parking lot, which was a parking lot before a Harry Potter book release. And then uh, Neil Diamond Parking Lot. But neither of those came anywhere near as incredible as Heavy Metal Parking Neil Lot. Neil Diamond Parking Lot uh, became
0: Saving Silverman?
3: <laughs> yeah, sent, yeah, kind of. And speaking of Saving Silverman, co-starring Jack Black, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny is another one of my favorite metal movies. Uh, before you... Uh, Logged on to our session here. I was I was listening to a little bit of that uh, soundtrack. Oh, it's just so wow. good. The uh, no, mostly the uh, the battle at the end with with the Satan. battle
0: at the end is awesome. I love the intro. You and I saw that movie together. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, there are just there are moments in so many moments in that movie that I will will never forget. And I've, I've seen it a few times since. But yeah, the, the opening scene where Meatloaf is Jack Black's father, oh and yeah, it's the the two of them and, and it's and it's young Jack Black lip syncing, actual Jack right. Black's voice. It's very funny. so yes. it's so good. very metal.:
3: uh one one of my other favorite metal movies, and this may be my number one favorite metal movie, is uh, Airheads. Which, uh, I love that movie so damn much. It's got such an incredible cast, like peak Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler before he was really Adam Sandler. Uh, uh, Right on the cusp, uh, but you still get some of that classic stuff. You have Michael McKeon, uh, Michael Richards, who we've talked about a lot recently. Joe Mantegna. Uh, Joe Chris Farley. Chris Farley is in it. Awesome. Chris Farley. Oh, my God it's so amy amy lokane uh teaming
0: with amy Brendan Locaine, Fraser. amy lokane right
3: yeah the, reuniting with Brendan fraser uh, from school yeah. ties and uh yeah so and then and then of course we have rockstar which i don't know if it's among my favorite metal movies but it is a metal movie and there aren't all that many of them that i can think of so i guess rockstar uh, is up there but i love rockstar it's so much fun it's ridiculous everybody in it is taking it so seriously as they damn well should and uh we're all better people for it
0: yeah you know rockstar is a fun movie and it's a it's it's overlooked it as as will uh it it got, um you know unfortunately <laughs> was released in theaters not not that early early september is not usually uh you know the the best movie release time that tends to be like, you know, kind of the, uh, the afterthoughts of the summer movie season tend to get,
3: it's right before all of the like big dramatic, like Oscar. movies. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's right
0: at the beginning of school. So you've got a little less like, you know, people just don't have all day, you know, you don't have kids just kind of like with their spendable income. And then September, 2001, Yeah. Especially like the weekend prior to the 11th, the weekend of September 7th. um, Right. Not, not, not the best, probably not, not the best people were not, I mean, you know, maybe that, that weekend, but, but. um, right.
3: Well, but you know, uh, be that as it may, that, does mean that this movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary uh, in really just a few weeks after this episode comes out, which is very exciting. Um, Because it's the 20th anniversary of
0: 9-11, so of course.
3: We don't have to talk about that, but it's the 20th anniversary of the release of Rockstar, September 7th, 2001. And, uh, man, uh, I... I don't think that I saw this one in the theater. I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out on DVD. Um, Probably like a Netflix physical rental. And uh, yeah, it was, um, it's ridiculous. I saw it in the
0: theater. In
3: Louisiana.
0: Louisiana. Oh right, yeah, you were. You were I was. This is in my my past life. Uh, you know, as as our regular listeners know, I I'm now a uh, high school teacher in this in um in West Seattle, and um I but in my past life was uh, was an actor, an occasionally working actor, and one of my. Jobs was a children's theater tour that was based out of Kenner, Louisiana, which is a a suburb of New Orleans. So, in fact, I flew to New Orleans, I want to say, on the 8th of September, 2001.
3: So, Dan, when you were touring around with this children's theater group... Did the wives and girlfriends have to go in a separate limo behind the tour bus? How did that work?
0: Yes. No. Only our stylists, um, uh, astrologists, vocal, vocal coaches. coaches. Yes, were allowed on on the tour bus. No. <laughs> uh, w- bus. W- what's actually funny is there was the, we there was a couple. on it was a small uh, crew of us. It was a four person cast, and then like a stage mm-hmm. manager and a house manager. And, um, the, the lone actress, the, uh, the lone woman on the tour, uh, was dating the, um, stage manager. So they, oh, they had been okay. together since I guess they met on a previous tour for, th- for this company. So, gotcha. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't, they, they were allowed to travel in the same vehicle.
3: Dan, I'm sorry if I'm looking off to the side and chuckling. So uh, we're recording this during a weekday. And because I typically record in the same room where my wife has her working from home office, I had to move my recording setup into our daughter's bedroom. And my dog is in a children's like pop up tent. And she's like wiggling around, getting comfortable. And I just see this like tent. It's like a circus tent, like kind of just like shaking around behind me and it's cracking me up. Um, but yeah. Okay. So you saw it in the theater while you were, while you were yeah, out there. I think it was
0: like our first, uh, like our, our first little like trip to the movies. Cause on weekends we would just kind of be staying in whatever hotel, you know, super eight or whatever was along right. the, the highway uh, you know, tradition, you know, close to whatever else you'd normally find alongside of the, you know, Arby's and all that. Right. So, um, you know, every now and again we would luck out and we'd be near near a movie theater. And if I remember correctly, this was like our maybe our first weekend on the road. And yeah, okay. I actually, I, I remember I saw a I saw like quite a few movies on that on that tour i'll never forget the double feature i did one day of the arnold schwarzenegger uh action action movie collateral damage and oh, okay. then the robert altman academy award nominated gosford park so interesting
3: <laughs> What a
0: double that's, feature. I mean, that's kind of how I would describe my, myself to someone is just like, I did a double feature one day of Collateral Damage and Gosford Park and enjoyed them both equally. So, which okay. is to say very much. So anyway, but back yeah. to Rockstar, uh, I mean, geez, how do you how do you follow Rockstar is no opening act. That's a headliner right there.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, why don't I do a little synopsis? And, um, let's see. I'm trying to see if I need to hit the spoiler alert button. Um, yeah, I'll do it anyway. Spoiler alert. Pittsburgh, 1985. Chris Cole assists in a drab office by day, but at night he's the singer for Blood Pollution, Pittsburgh's hottest Steel Dragon tribute band. The problem is that Chris and Rob, Blood Pollution's lead guitarist, are in the middle of a falling out due to creative differences. Namely, Rob wants to be more creative and Chris wants to honor Steel Dragon note for note. This, however, isn't a problem for Kirk Cuddy, Steel Dragon's lead guitarist. Kirk sees footage of one of Blood Pollution's performances and invites Chris to join Steel Dragon, replacing Bobby Beers, the founding lead singer and Chris's idol. Chris now becomes Izzy and is thrown into, a, and is thrown into the metal world headfirst. This doesn't exactly work for Emily, Chris slash Izzy's girlfriend and manager, who is relegated to the wives and girlfriends limo that rides behind the band bus. As mentioned earlier, she decides to live on her own in Seattle. Good for her. I hope she bought real estate. Their relationship grows more distant and the deeper Chris gets into the Steel Dragon lifestyle. And when Chris makes an attempt to add his own flair to new songs for the band's new album, he quickly gets shot down. Luckily, Chris is able to draw parallels between how Steel Dragon is treating him to how he treated his old pal, Rob. Now, Chris has to decide if he remains Steel Dragon's puppet or if he should carve his own path and maybe just invent grunge music. So, Chris slash Izzy is played by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is his girlfriend, Emily. Timothy Oliphant is Rob, the uh, the blood pollution guitar player, in a, you know, in an earlier... Uh, role for him, which is always exciting. Um, We have uh, Jason Fleming as Bobby Beers, the original Steel Dragon uh, vocalist, Timothy Spall as their road manager, Dominic West as Kirk Cuddy. Uh, We have Jason Bonham, Mm -hmm. son of John Bonham, on uh, drums for Steel Dragon. Uh, There's plenty of actual other musicians that are smattered throughout here, um, as well as, uh, former and maybe also current, uh, spouses or girlfriends for metal musicians playing the spouses and girlfriends of steel, of steel dragon. And, uh, big shout out to bass player, Brian Vander Ark, uh, blood pollutions, bass player also of the verve pipe, which, uh, who also wrote one of the songs in the um that's in the movie uh and also of note is and I don't have his name right here with me, but um Stephen oh wait, Jenkins I that I might stephen Jenkins oh
0: i I didn't know where you were going with that, so
3: which one is Stephen He's Jenkins br-
0: uh so Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye blind is Bradley right the the lead singer of uh pittsburgh's other premiere steel dragon uh tribute band um i i forget forget. what they call themselves but yeah Yeah. he, he who they who then comes in to replace chris in blood pollution
3: yeah and big shout out also to uh beth grant of the joel schumacher players who uh is here as chris cole's mom who runs a daycare out of their house. <laughs> so, yeah, this is... This movie is such a trip.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, and it's funny because I feel like the, introdu- the intro- introduction... The introduction? The introduction. Uh, so I guess here's the spoiler alert is uh, uh, only because I'm going <laughs> to... Spoiler alert. So... Um... <laughs> Gonna break the rules and talk, because the next movie uh, that we're gonna be covering on our next episode uh, is Caddyshack and the right. introduction to Chris with his house full of kids and like he's hogging up the bathroom reminds me so much of the character introduction to Danny yes. Noonan and the Noonan family in Caddyshack. Yeah. So I absolutely, <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, all right geez the the stars have aligned uh and i don't just mean the stars of metal um yeah <laughs> so uh, it's uh but right. it's, it's it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun to see actors like timothy oliphant and dominic west who i think people know best for the the wire right. um to yeah. see them kind of like metalled and permed up like the hair got kind of like a it's it's brian may i i it's, brian it's basically May-hair. brian may hair yeah. yeah and you know so the, the movie is based on the the true story of tim ripper owens who was the lead singer of a judas priest tribute band that was then right. pulled to take over for rob halford after he left right judas priest
3: Right and uh you know lots of parallels there and I'm also going to give a a disclaimer before playing any clips because this movie uh much like The Metal World when Rob Halford came out of the closet uh there's a lot of homophobia and gay panic going on so you're going to hear some words uh perhaps that um maybe aren't so friendly to the LGBTQ plus community. Well, yeah.
0: And also, you know, and, and however, and this is definitely a note that I have is, is as, as much as, um, you know a lot of a lot of words that are just kind of thrown around jokingly um and you know like as insults to each other you know we've right. grown we've evolved but in yes. 19 in mid 1980s especially in the world of of metal there was there was definitely a lot of that a lot of a lot of ironic homophobia uh from yeah you know guys who were, you know, glam rockers.
3: Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play a clip of, um, so this is the moment where, uh, Chris and Emily, excuse me, come to Los Angeles for, so Chris can audition to be the new singer for steel dragon, which he doesn't really know what he's there for at the moment. But, uh, this is where we find out that, uh, exactly why bobby is getting kicked out of the band
1: hey man hey, hey. thanks for coming You're not too fagged out are you no i
2: don't think so is it Max, the road manager hey yeah i saw you in pittsburgh you gave
1: everybody a backstage pass but me yeah from the looks of you i good reason right <laughs> hello hi so we all just saw a tape of you singing provided by the lovely nina and samantha hey, hey chris Guess. <laughs> we were just wondering if the incredible voice on the tape really belongs to you. No, that'd be you, Bobby. You think I can bring in some child to replace me, do you? You want to do your own thing, but we're we're tell you me what you're doing away. here. You're firing me. Oh, oh, up. Calm you're... down, Bobby. You calm, calm down, you all wanker! Right. It's because I'm gay, isn't it? Okay. No. I got both my nipples pierced, bought a house in Morocco because I'm John fucking Wayne. Have you? Have you ever listened to the lyrics of stand-up, hmm? Did you really think that Kim was a girl? Kim was a guy? Yeah, Kim was a girl. He also happens to be my lover, much to the horror of these closeted sausage jockeys. Oh, Bobby, as if we give a toss who you're buggering. <laughs> Whatever, Bob. Just keep your dick away from me, though. Stop it, man, I tell you. No, what bothers us, Bobby, is you don't turn up for recording sessions. Actually, you no. missed half the gigs on the last tour. No, when well, you no. did show yeah, your yeah, attitude... Look, it was so I not- am Steel Dragon! Without me, you're nothing! Give us a break. You'll be playing for coppers in the tube without me. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's also like, we
3: get it, you're British. Oh, what, with all the... the <laughs> With all the slang, yeah. It, it's like, um, first of all, you all clearly live in L.A. <laughs> no one's going to be on the tube. It's really fine. Like, calm down. We get it. You're British. Uh yeah. So anyway, that's uh that's kind of the reveal. And it's I you know it's a direct reference to Judas yeah. Priest. Uh, you know, when Rob Halford came out, you know, of course we don't know what things were like at the time for them, uh, you know, behind closed doors, but you know, the metal community is, you know, very much driven by, you know, sex and well, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but like you know the the idea especially in the mid 80s of this metal icon coming out as gay is shocking well and it's not that he's coming out publicly
0: no and, no, and no. also i do kind i i do buy it that like that's not why he's out of the band like that's not yeah, yeah. and i mean the whole like keep your dick away from me comment it's like yeah that's Like, yes, that is that is actual that is like actual homophobia. That is actual uh, like fear. (laughs) Uh, And and it's not and and right, like it's not a developed, it's not an evolved view. But, um, you know, when when uh, Dominic West says, like, you think we give a toss who you're buggering because we're British. Right. Uh, uh, You know. I, I buy it because it's like it's it's about the money, er, like to them, and that's it's clearly about they live this like opulent well, lifestyle.
3: Yes, there there's that, but you know there's definitely also an element of the machismo, and that leads me to the next clip that I want to play. Which, Dan, you didn't tell me to pull this one; I pulled this one on what? my own. You went but rogue. This is. This is I went rogue. So uh, a lot of times we we pick the same ones essentially. But this one I was surprised you didn't want to pull because this is when they're doing their first like press conference introducing Izzy to the world. And uh, this is how they go about answering one of the questions.
2: Oh, Miss Reed, my choir teacher, she always gives
1: me some really cool exercises. That's a lot of pussy, that sound.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. you? Oh,
0: what?
1: classic. Like father, like son.
2: That's my boy. <laughs> Nine of you guys. Shot, <laughs> 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 so
1: good, so comfortable. I kept messing up on my English no, accent. it was
2: great. Nice way to handle that pussy line, by the way. whoa, whoa what was I going to do? I can't argue Izzy, with you. See, honey, don't worry. I'm going to make an honest man out of you.
3: And then in the mirror
2: I eat a lot of pussy loads of it I eat a lot of pussy tons i got more voice eating pussy man it's like a vocal technique exercise i got eating pussy man loads of it all the time tons it's all I do breakfast morning noon night got to have it man That's all I do is eat pussy a lot. Chris, either get in here and do
0: it or shut up. Hold on. All all, all due respect to Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, but but nobody does a talking to themselves in the mirror to psych themselves up (laughs) up scene like uh, Mark Wahlberg. One of the many echoes of his performance in Boogie Nights
3: yeah, right. yeah. the talking into a mirror moments for sure are iconic. Uh, I also want to talk about um Chris's parents, uh, played by Beth Grant and uh, Matthew Glave, is it? Glovey. Um yeah. Oh no, that's uh is, is that that's the brother? they're um, the brother. yeah. Michael the brother Shavis, is awesome. <laughs> Michael Seamus Wiles. right. uh, Glenngolia. Yes, thank you. I knew I knew him from somewhere. (laughs) Oh
0: shit! And it was from the wedding singer. I actually looked him up on IMDb. How did I miss that?
3: (laughs) That's so funny. So yeah, like they're watching the press conference, and she turns to him and says, "Like father, like son." It's so weird. It's it's
0: one of the things that one of the things that (laughs) I appreciate about this movie, especially in its kind of first first act, is it tries to take the clichés and and all the clichés that we've that were lampooned in in Walkhard and the whole, you know, right. oh, like why can't you be more like your brother? And what? And oh, how can you say and do these things? And what are you wearing? They flip. They've cut. They just kind of yeah. this the screenplay, which uh, was co-written by I know Callie Corey, who wrote Thelma and Louise, um, right, was one right. of the writers on it, and it was also uh, John John Stockwell, um, who. Um oh shit what else did he do I'm um, I'm sorry I'm blanking um he worked on like uh I think he worked on on oh he he was an actor he acted that's why I know him from things uh he was in Top Gun um mm-hmm. and then he also directed he directed like Into the Blue um this movie called cheaters um he directed blue crush crazy beautiful which uh kind of underrated uh movie there i didn't love it i saw that one in the theater oh crazy beautiful
3: i yeah no i saw it on cable um anyway but yeah and also also should be noted uh this was per, this was done under a George Clooney's production mm-hmm. company. He's an executive producer on this movie. It was originally supposed to star Brad Pitt. And I'm kind of glad that it ended up being Mark Wahlberg. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A- absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Which is something that I don't think I would normally say.
0: No, no. But it, it's, I mean, all right, Boogie Nights aside, because there's going to be similarities. It's, a, it's you know... Like right. we're not we're we're not like, you know, trying to you know, innovate storytelling. This is not a Charlie Kaufman script,
3: but no, all, all, all I'm saying is,, yeah. I think that Brad Pitt's better when he's a supporting character. and i i I like it when he's more a little bit more subdued, and this is a character that is not at all no, subdued. and i I
0: don't think that Brad Pitt would make this as interesting as Mark Wahlberg. Did. Now I do yeah. have I guess on that on that note where I think the movie um had potential for more was in in the tone and kind of and also keeping in mind that this is pre Walkhard it's pre pop star. Right. So I think that had had the tone and and by the way this is also this is directed by Stephen Herrick who directed mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So, you know, he knows something about, you know, comedy, and I think that I think that this film could have could have leaned more into the satirical element, and therefore, because I think it it goes that way in the beginning, and having the oh wait a second the bro, like the parents prefer the the like the rock star brother who still lives at home to the yeah. cop, and oh they don't they're not embarrassed by him they they're very supportive they're extremely parents. supportive, and even the brother like you know gets into it he. He gets uh, into it. But, and they're doing all these things. And even, even, you know, the real life twist that Bobby Beers is gay is, you know, it could be, you could also look at it as a, like, turning the rock genre on its head. Uh, you know, the cliche of the, of the womanizing rock star.
3: So, I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. Less, less so. But yeah,
3: the. The movie definitely has a bit of an identity crisis where, you know, it's like, it feels like it should be a comedy, but it isn't. Um, And that's, I think, where you take a movie, you know, going back to like Airheads, where it's about these metal guys. It's a comedy, but it's not making fun of metal. You know, it's still like celebrating the genre and the people who are fans of the music, but it's not make it's not making fun of anybody. It's making fun of the people that metal people don't like the easy listening yeah. guy. And, you know? and
0: it, it's, it, I think, Rockstar part of the challenge. And uh, you know, I would I would love to to talk to you know John Stockwell or or Kali Curry or Stephen Herrick and and ask them about this, but like. Even though it is pre all of those other, you know, musical satires that we're familiar with now in 21st century, we are also post this is Spinal Tap. So does the fact that like. Spinal
3: Tap, which is also in my top movies.
0: Yes. And it's like. Because also this is clearly coming after the whole like you know VH1 behind the music uh, and like yeah. you know those TV rock documentaries that are just like it's like all the the drama like I remember I remember I remember I loved watching them and I would always get excited when they would do an artist I like but then I watched the REM behind the music and it was so boring because they didn't like the only real drama that they had was when Bill Berry got an the drummer for R.E.M. got damn right. an, aneurysm during the uh monster tour and like ended up having to leave the band but even like Michael Stipe coming out was like
3: he was like I wasn't right. being secret like he was like no it's also right it's also more of an art band right. than it is you know a rock right. band and, you know, he's a poet. Yeah, but on the he, other... You know, yeah, like, but, but, I mean, then
0: you've got your Fleetwood Macs, which <laughs> are yeah. not exactly well, metal, yeah, but, but damn, that was a great behind the music. But anyway, so I think... Yeah. That, but it's also, like, you can't... And they go into that, like, that little bit of, like, documentary um, style, yeah, but...
3: Yeah, that's another place where I feel like it's a bit of an identity crisis, because... It's like at the beginning and at the end, they do these kind of like sit down interview type things with some of the band members. And, you know, it starts and you see Chris Cole and he's a little like grunged out. He's got like a, you know, weird sweater on. Well, it's stuff. like, yeah. And it's not even it's it's like that post
0: grunge. It's 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 the it, it I feel like it's it's the it's like nineteen ninety five alternative because it's yeah. like kurt cobain has died and rock is like we're gonna tone it down a little bit
3: well yeah absolutely like it's not early grunge you know Soundgarden, allison chains it's not the heavy grunge it's the well, light no it's, grunge. it's it's eddie better solo
0: it's chris cornell it's solo. Eddie Vedder solo. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and what's so interesting about it is like that's why the synopsis I was like, did he invent grunge? Because it doesn't seem like much time is supposed to have gone by. Because like, you know, the the, the story starts in 1985, and it the story of him with Steel Dragon ends when they're like getting ready to release their next album. So maybe it's 1987. I think it's a, I I that, that was kind of where I
0: placed it, was '87. And I placed the ending in '95, though I was not certain. I th- was that club
3: in Pittsburgh or in Seattle? See, I thought that it was in Seattle because I get the impression that uh, Emily, you know, she moved to Seattle and she, uh, I'm guessing, opened up a coffee shop with one of the other. Girlfriend, well, they, they or had wives another, whatever. They,
0: they, no, it was another, they had another business idea. It's another business, yeah.
3: Well, I see the thing is like when you have a coffee shop in grunge, you have to just imagine that it's in Seattle during that time and it's singles, then you know, sure, but yeah, so I don't know, it's interesting. I wish that they would have like given some sort of a like nine years later or something to make it make sense, but it's also like. They never kept in touch at all? Okay. She doesn't know anything about what he's up to? All right. Yeah. It, I know this is like a pre-internet era. Yeah, I
0: mean, but, no, no, but yeah. it's it's still a little, like for that much of a gap from 87 where he walks off. And, and I love, by the way, love how he leaves the band.
3: Yeah, uh, let me play a little... Clip from that. Hey
2: guys, spent most of the break working on some songs for the album. I mean, I mean they're still rough, but I just wanted to get you guys input before I went further. I don't know. It's just a thought, but does that make for a cool cover? I mean no title, no band name. Could be heavy. What do you think? Is it? It looks great. Well, I'm not done yet. I mean, it still needs work. I'm glad you've been having some fun
1: writing your songs.
2: Well, actually, I busted my ass working on the songs.
1: Yeah, but the tunes for the new album, they've already been written.
2: What do you mean? AC and I wrote them during the break. Well, look, I know you and AC do most of the writing. Not most of the writing. All of the writing. Yeah, but shouldn't I have some input? I mean, I'm part of the group now, right? Is. I'm the one that has to sing the tune, so you'd think you'd at least want me to put my stamp on them. Is I mean, I'm not just. Listen, you <laughs> not just expect me to be some singer for hire, are you? Look,
1: let me explain. Come here. Listen, our fans, right? Our loyal, diehard fans, our very lifeblood, if you will, expect to see certain things. All right, and we like to give them what they want. And we don't deviate from that because one disappointed fan can quickly turn to two, two to four, four to eight, and on and on like that, until the next thing you know, we're playing to a half-empty hall. And our lost sheep are off enjoying the rock stylings of, say, rat. So while I understand your impulse to do your own thing, and I admire it in some small way, if you want to stay with Steel Dragon, then you're going to have to reconcile yourself for the time being to doing the steel dragon thing. All right. And the steel dragon thing is that AC and I write the songs and you sing the songs that we write. Am I clear? Yeah.
3: Good. And then at a concert, he does exactly what uh, he wishes would have happened to him at the beginning. Hold on before you play that. Oh, I don't oh, have
0: okay. that. Oh, good. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't think so, but uh it's not really in uh, it's that one's better visually. So than audio. here is where you ha where you do have some hint that um that they did push Bobby out because he's gay. And but it's uh-huh. so like, and I don't this could just be connecting things that that aren't intentionally connected. But he says Uh, Kirk says he and AC do, like, write the songs. They write the songs. Mm -hmm. However, in the scene with Bobby, or the the one that we listened to earlier, Bobby talks about the lyrics that presumably he wrote for Stand Up and Shout.
3: I thought that... Was it the lyrics, or was it the the preamble that he does? Before? No, because no, no, he does a preamble before he talks about. Well, right.
0: he he talks about uh, like you know, haven't you ever listened to the lyric? He says he says, yeah. So which tells me that Bobby did some writing on the songs, and that uh maybe Kirk and AC yeah. were not happy about that so maybe they wanted more yeah, control now the steel dragon thing is Kirk and AC because he's really and this is it's something that the movie doesn't really go into but Kirk I mean as as we were saying before he's in it for the money and that's I mean, how often do you hear a a musician say, "Oh no, we want to keep doing the same thing." We don't want to. Usually, it's the label that's like, "No, keep right. making the same thing." And and it's a musician's like, "No, man, I just want to like you know throw some flamenco guitar in there or something."
3: Yeah, and yeah, they're not artists; they're a company, they're right, a brand, right, right, which yeah,
0: I mean, like that that that's true. That is what it is. And I, I think that it, it, that's an aspect of kind of like what happened to a lot of those metal bands. I mean, like, I know this is based on Judas priest, but you know, I think about like a a guns and roses, which is also becoming Mm -hmm. big. I mean, appetite for destruction comes out in in 87. So you've got bands like them where, and, and, and it goes to the point where it's like, well, you know, can we just swap out the lead singer, especially when there's so many guys out there who can look and sound just like him? Yeah. Maybe I was trying to think about like bands that really have done that successfully. And rather than, than just, you know, uh, like bands that have actually swapped out their, their lead singer, or replace their lead singer and actually... Can, ACDC is one, but it's... Not. ACDC is one.
3: They did it pretty early. I mean, he died,
0: so... Well, he yeah. died,
3: right, yeah. And same goes for Queen. You know, they toured with Adam Lambert. Is they that toured right? with Paul
0: Rogers of Bad Company. They toured with Adam... Mm-hmm. They've toured with a cup. They've toured with a few singers. But it also, there was a long time after Freddie Mercury died that they didn't tour.
3: Right. And just because it's it's so relevant to what we're talking about but uh you know the same thing happened with one of the with I think the writer of Stand Up and Shout Sammy Hagar he yeah. replaced David Lee Roth and then was replaced by Gary Cherone and i guess who was then replaced well, by David And Lee i Roth.
0: guess the thing is with a band like Van Halen it one could argue that like Eddie Van Halen is still in the band
3: you're not so that's
0: really what matters
3: well, I mean, yes, but David Lee Roth was a huge draw. Oh, you know, in their I, early career, I
0: agree. I and I'm not the world's biggest Van Halen fan, but to me, if I was gonna, if I like, if I was gonna, you know, go see a Van Halen concert, I would be. Mu- I mean, you know, not now, obviously, but I would well, be yeah. much. I I would like definitely want to see Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Like that's. Well, there's
3: a reason why people call it Van, Van Halen, and then, and then Van, Van Hagar. Hagar
0: and what do they call the Gary Sharon? Just like Van, eh, just Van you know,
3: not not a lot of people talk about that era.
0: Extreme.
3: Although I saw I saw them play with uh, Gary Sharon. Extreme was, was that the band that Gary Sharon was in? Yeah, yeah,
0: I had a friend in high school yep. who loved
3: Extreme. Hey, more than words, great, great that jam, good songs.
0: Yeah, so. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Rockstar, you know what, John, who's who's the most metal band you've you've gone to see?
3: Oh, that I've gone to see? Cause, well, it's funny because we talk about Van Halen, but I don't really think of them as a metal band so much as like a party band. But are band. they the most metal uh, band that,
0: that you've seen?
3: Um, well, I, you know, in LA, I have seen Steel Panther, which is a, uh, you know, a throwback band, I guess you could yeah. call them. Because, and I don't know if they're active anymore, but their whole thing is, you know, they play at, like, I don't know, the the Whiskey or the Roxy or something like that. And they are an 80s metal yeah. band. So, I suppose that that's probably the most metal band I've seen, if you would count I that. mean, y- yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for us. The lead singer of which makes a cameo in Rockstar as the singer who's auditioning before Chris at the... Uh, the Steel Dragon makes studio. perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense.
0: I mean, I'm I'm yeah. sitting here like I've asked the question, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, who's the most metal band I've seen? Like Kings of Leon, I don't <laughs> <I'm>,
3: like, <laughs> the Jim Blossoms, uh, Meatloaf. Me, <laughs> you know, so, there's some Meatloaf that goes a little goes a little heavy, but still not. That oh, heavy. I mean, I'm thinking, I I guess maybe Pearl Jam might be. But like,
0: oh boy, no, I, I, I have not been to
3: Dan, Dan, you're, you're giving a, at the beginning of the episode, we told everybody that we were like super metal guys. I am. You can't tell them that the heaviest band you've seen is Uh, Kings of Leon. I was hoping everyone else had forgotten
0: about that as I did.
3: (laughs) Hey man, Uh... Kings of
0: Leon fucking metal Mm, no,
3: sure. No. Um, yeah, great. Uh, you right. know, yeah. uh, I and you know, I don't know. I've seen Foo Fighters, but they're not that but heavy. You've seen, they're not metal. I I, th- I think Van Halen is probably Van Halen or Steel Panther. Said, I've seen. Okay, I saw Sticks, and I mean, I'm going to put air air quotes around
0: Sticks because uh, Dennis, it was Sticks without, and it was it, it was. It was uh you scoffed this was at a it was a um post nine eleven tribute for um New Jersey uh New York like metropolitan area um first responders.
3: I'm not scoffing at the fact that you saw sticks, because sticks can and wail. It, I'm scoffing at the fact that you would consider them. Okay. Metal.
0: Well, so also on this ticket, it was not just sticks because um Ario okay. Speedwagon Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Survivor. Okay. I'm trying to remember who else was on. Uh... Oh, I saw Kiss. Oh, you saw Kiss. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. There you. Go. I look. You've. I, I mean, you've got the tattoos and everything, so you're definitely more metal.
3: <laughs> I have the least metal tattoos ever. I have a Fraser tattoo, I have an Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom tattoo, I have a Simpsons lamb, I have the happy foot and sad foot like and the last starfighter. The least metal tattoos
0: ever. Oh, and last starfighter. Man, that last starfighter symbol would be awesome on a metal album. Imagine that. Imagine that just in the middle of a giant like <laughs> vinyl shiny like album cover. Anyway, um back to the tone though cuz there's one more one more clip okay. that um I And it goes at the end when they go back into this, like, oh, let's do interviews. We have Bobby Beers. Oh,
3: yeah. Yes. This is during the closing credits. uh, And this is what we get from Bobby Beers. Why did you decide not to rejoin the band?
1: As the mouthpiece of Steel Dragon, I realized I had this huge responsibility because the band are there, but it's me they're looking at. It's me they want to learn from. It's me that they have on their walls. And I realized that the vacuous, empty world of sex and drugs and rock and roll is not maybe the message I want to be sending out to these kids. I realized I wanted something more cerebral, something more eloquent, and something basically more dignified.
3: So this was a time when Riverdance was the funniest thing to mock. It actually was maybe a few years after it was the funniest thing yeah, to
0: watch. Yeah, yeah, I I think unfortunately uh it it had it had passed by now. I think Michael Flatley had gone on to be Lord of the Dance at that point. But this was right. but in whatever like 1997 in 1997 a great vortex opened up and uh there was a swing music um Oh, there yeah. was a there was a swing music revival. revival, the Macarena, and Irish step dancing were huge. Now, look, not yeah. for nothing, but a few years before was the big
3: Gregorian chant fad. So, Oh, yeah, that's right. Man, the 90s were so weird. <laughs> the 90s, it was like a we roulette
0: had, wheel of
3: fads. <laughs> we had the scat man. Uh, we, we had, the had all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm the scat oh, man. Oh, the scat Wasn't man! Yeah, we had the scat man, the yeah. the Bart man. Yeah, uh, Cotton Eye <laughs> Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. Right, there was a big like country thing happening. It was pseudo country yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: well, it was that, and then it just fed into like the nouveau country of of Shania Twain and Faith. <laughs> That's Hill, right. Yeah. So, uh, but <playthrough> who are even less metal than me? And speaking of yeah. you,
3: what would you do with
0: Rockstar 20 oh, years man. later? Well, you know, we've done so much with uh, with the music industry, and there's been Rock of Ages, the musical, and then the movie right. Rock of Ages. And so what do you do? Well, and I was trying... I, I think a loose remake is in order. I think... Okay, and and what's interesting is, I don't know. I mean, it's like yes, metal is, is still out there, and I mean, like you know, they're like kids are still learning guitars and in, in bands. I I mean, like I, uh, you know, I saw went to go see some of my, uh, you know, uh, former students, uh, you know, playing in their playing in their band, uh, right. and. Uh so it's like it, it's still a thing but I feel like this should be remade and I think it should be remade uh in South Korea and that it should be revolving around K-pop because oh K-pop is is a is That's a phenomenon it's it's I mean it's huge um and I feel like the, like, K-pop stars are, are so, like, there's it's something very different, but it's also something very, like, stylized. And, uh-huh. you know, like, imagine the kid, rather than putting on, like, you know, the eyeliner and the thing, like, the kid comes out of the bathroom getting ready to go out to, like, whatever, like, I don't know, maybe they go to karaoke. Maybe that's their, maybe that's how they get you know, discovered and, you know, and got like fluorescent pink hair and, you know, the conservative old, you know, grandmother is, is like, that is really nice. That is a really nice shade of pink there. And, you know, can you do my (laughs) hair? Um, And I, I mean, I also, I, I feel like there's also been, and I mean, there's it's really like two movies that I can think of. Actually, no, that's not true. There's more. But I do feel like there's kind of like a Korean cinema um, has has gotten more of the spotlight in recent years. And yeah, and that's true. so I, I also I feel like the time is right. I, but I also feel like a lot of the you know, what we've seen, the Korean cinema that we've seen has either been, um, you know, in the, the vein of, of, you know, a, a drama you know like like Parasite or um I believe Train is trained to Busan was that also Korean I
3: you know I'm not sure I I also don't know if I would consider Parasite to be a drama a a, it's more of like a cerebral
0: pseudo thriller yes yes. uh but but uh, it's not a com it's not really a comedy very dark there's some dark humor in it right there is some humor in it but I think like uh like a music, a music centered comedy, set around the world yeah. of, of K-pop. I mean, I don't know much about See, it, but I
3: know all you know. All you need to know, which is that it's hugely popular, and that you know what what people would have considered to be a guilty pleasure, since so many people now have admitted to having that pleasure. It's no longer guilty for people, (laughs) and and nor should it be. Um, But what I do find interesting is that you are suggesting now making a movie about K-pop, whereas Rockstar made a movie that took place 15 years prior, essentially. And the equivalent to that now would be like an emo version. Like, if we're talking about, if we're taking the... The Rockstar Framework, mm-hmm. which is like, all right, 15 years in the past, which in the music years, I feel like the difference between 2000-ish and 1985-ish uh, seemed a lot further away than like maybe now. I don't know. I so, mean, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, because I also think that that's when – uh, you know, music, you know, where we were in that post grunge world. And that was also when music started to kind of get more like fragmented and, and splintered mm-hmm. off and where it was less like, you know, less central, but yeah, I, I, I also, yeah. I, and I am saying like set it contemporarily, or I don't know, whatever, set it in 2015, yeah. Um, but I'm like, we don't need to, I, th- I think something this movie handles pretty well is being set in the eighties without being eighties showing like all the, like, you know, Oh, pfft, new Coke. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, totally. Like showing Angeline. Like, Bullards Hey, I got no, McDLTs I up, uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Somebody was talking about McDLT. The hot side on, like, stays hot something. and the
0: cool side stays cool. Uh, my God! No, it, it it was very much is set in the eighties without being all about being set in the eighties. No, so, and I yeah. just don't, I feel like for my my K-pop remake of Rockstar, it, uh, you don't you don't need to you don't need to. Gotcha. What are you gonna do? What are okay. you gonna do, brother?
3: Well, you know, I said earlier, twenty year anniversary. I think it'd be a perfect opportunity to do a re-release. Uh, Maybe do like a like an outdoor cinema re-release and have like metal musicians like do a show before the movie.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say like have a band that plays like almost do like a Rocky Horror. This was something I was thinking actually while I was watching it.
3: Well, yeah, I was also thinking about kind of like a Rocky Horror thing, but you can't force that. No, it just that. I mean, that has to happen organically. But yeah, I think that like you have metal bands play you have them do some of the songs from the movie uh because honestly pretty good soundtrack uh, yeah.
0: not yeah. gonna lie yeah um oh and what you know one thing we we barely we, we really barely talked about Jennifer Aniston and i think that the casting of Jennifer oh, yeah. Aniston is another way that this movie tries to like flip the clichés and i actually i i was I was curious. I was like, I wonder if there was any consideration to like Me- the casting of Meg Ryan in The Doors, and the casting uh-huh. of Jennifer Aniston in Rockstar Just seems like I don't know, like they're like an analogous analogous there. Um, but I, Jennifer Aniston, like as Emily, is into it at the beginning. Like she's into it. Like when yeah. and when they have the first concert and when like the. Uh, an, um what's her name? like Tanya uh, is coming on to them like she's into she, like she's into right, it. Right, she's right. not like disgusted by the whole thing
3: no no. and and she's great as the manager for blood pollution. She's very charismatic. She You know, she's part of that scene. You know, it's not like she's just the girlfriend. She's very much a part of the scene. She rips
0: Timothy Oliphant's underwear off from under his pants.
3: Oh, she She cuts cuts, it with scissors.
0: Cuts with with scissors, yeah.
3: Which is an awesome moment. But yeah. Uh, And speaking about Timothy Oliphant, I just want to uh, play a a clip. This is from when uh, Chris is still in blood pollution and they are having a big falling out moment just because... I, I just want to play as much of Timothy scene. Oliphant it's as possible scene. because, yeah, it's really great. And what I want you to pay attention to is, you know, remember that when they're filming this, the, you know, no one's hearing the music. So this first, like, s- scream thing that Timothy Oliphant does, I'm just picturing that without any of the song behind them. So go ahead and do yourself a favor and do that too. What? There's no solo break after the chorus. They don't care. Ah! That's not how the song goes. Dude, I know how the song goes. Well, if you know how it goes, then play it right. Chris, you are taking this shit too seriously.
2: That's right, I take this shit really seriously, because the music deserves to be taken seriously. If you don't take it seriously, you don't deserve to play it. All right, you need
1: to get a grip. Let it go. Yeah. You've ruined your performance.
0: Do not ruin mine. So uh, I love it. it. Wahlberg, Wahlberg also does petulant really well. And he really and, does. And, and, and this is so the, m- man, Mark Wahlberg just, he gives, he gives, I wrote this down, he he can give performances that would feel at home in a satirical film without realizing it. And it's yeah. like, I was thinking about his performances that I've found most believable, because I also recently watched The Happening, the, the M. Night Shyamalan oh, okay. film, The Happening, which I, I, I'm, I'm. Say what you I am, feel. Say no, you I'm feel. mystified by it. I don't know how I feel about it because I don't know what the <laughs> intentions were with it. But his performance in it, it's like it. his performance in that movie must have been what inspired Andy Samberg's impression. Like the Mark Wahlberg talks to animals on SNL because every oh, okay. line he says sounds like that. And, and I was like, he's not at all believable. And he's fucking terrible in the happening. Zooey Deschanel also terrible so I don't know if it was by design but he I was thinking about his performances that felt most believable and he does like in this movie that's why I feel like they should have leaned more into the satire because I feel like he's at his most believable when you're like it's kind of like everyone else is in on the joke except for you dude Um, you know Huckabees Huckabees he is so believable in that
3: yeah he's amazing in Huckabees Uh, so anyway I don't know. I love the way that I the you know how genuine they play this movie. Uh I think is so great. It makes me really happy. Uh it kind of gives you the like the chills at moments, you know, when you know he's outperforming Bobby Beer's. You know when they're at the Steel oh. Dragon concert. I don't know. It's just like it's fun. Which is then how he
0: ends yeah. up uh, when when that scene repeats itself at during his last gig. Yeah, and he and yeah, like that talk about a, a great moment is when he and he sees himself and he's like he sees that kid in the crowd yeah. who can hit the who can hit all the notes and, and who also isn't worn out and he brings him up on stage and he gives him the mic and makes him the lead singer of the band mid show yeah. that yep. that's a fantastic moment and that's also why i believe that this when i say loose remake i mean loose remake because there are elements of this film that that you cannot recreate that just need to be enjoyed so right. which is why i also like your idea of of some type of uh cinematic re-release a theatrical yeah you know maybe like a tour like i would love to see yeah. I, would, I would love to see like a road show like um you know i don't know who's available <laughs> From this movie, but like tour, like tour the movie, do Q and A's like, you know, get people back in theaters. I could see Timothy
3: Oliphant getting really into
0: it. I would love that. I mean, i like, depends on, you know, and where you're going. It's like, all right, may, you know, maybe, all right, walk, Mark Wahlberg shooting a movie in, uh, you know, I don't know, San Francisco. So maybe he does the San Francisco screenings. Hopefully there's a rooftop chase in it. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like I think that would be a lot of fun and a chance to like ask questions and to ask to like to ask Timothy Oliphant like, all right, so how is doing that scream without any of the music behind you? And what did you do to get well, yourself to yeah. that moment?
3: I know. I know. Well, yeah, it's this it's this crazy weirdo movie that just kind of like popped up. And then uh, I think, you know, because of 9-11, you know, didn't and. Here's okay, disclaimer. I think 9/11 was terrible. If it this comes across making it seem like I don't feel that, then I then I just want you to know that. But I think that because of 9/11, you know, like it didn't even stand a chance at theaters. I'm sure it, that nobody was going to go see Well, you is that why Rockstar. you
0: think 9/11 was terrible?
3: <laughs> I don't want to get into the details, Dan. Sorry. No. Uh yeah, I mean, it yeah. you know, no one was going to be going to go see a movie like that you know if people are going to go see movies it was probably to see something that will make them laugh maybe uh but i don't know i
0: mean yeah and how did you know what to expect and who was really thinking about it yeah and i i also i don't remember when i saw this but it was definitely like not i did not see this
3: not first run
0: situation no no this was this would have been i mean i have the ticket stub in my box of ticket stubs, Ooh. so I.
3: Oh I, man, I, Dan, I I'm dying to know the date that you saw that. Is this going to be here. like the guy who bowled a 300 on 9/11?
0: <laughs> no, because I did not see this movie on 9/11. Um, actually, you know okay. what? I will go get it, and we can pretend that I had it right here the whole time. Okay. Now, I think that when I organized these, I put them in some type
3: of order. So, let's see. Here we go. Dan, next... For your birthday, I'm getting you a a scrapbook.
0: It's best. It's best like this.
3: For your stubbies. It's best
0: like this. All right. Uh, Are they still in the cigar box? Yeah, sure. Um... Let's see. Zoolander was October 6th. Do I not have my ticket stub from Rockstar? <sighs> I swore that I did. Yes. I no, I saw it on 9-23. I saw it on September okay. 23rd, uh, 2001.
3: 4-30. Uh, so Dan has the ticket stub in front of him. Uh, where did you see I it? I saw it at the can you
0: tell from this i saw it at the holiday cinema and i uh this doesn't say where it is it was somewhere in louisiana i have a vague i have like a very vague recollection of uh i have a very vague recollection of where it was it was it was near the motel i remember we walked over uh yeah, and I'm pretty sure, let's see, holiday.
3: So we're going to have to post a picture of this ticket stub on our Instagram, at Ruin Childhoods Pod. I am uh, thrilled that Dan is able to find this in his sea of ticket stubs. Oh, okay,
0: hold on. So this might have been, oh, let's see. Co- Are you Covington, Googling maybe? the theater? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that this theater is like still exists, but... Um, who knows anyway we'll we'll keep you updated on that i'll post a picture of the ticket stub on uh, on the instagram so hey if you saw rockstar whether on uh, in the theater or on DVD via a physical Netflix shipment or otherwise. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> ruined Childhoods Pod at gmail.com.
3: Yep. And uh, you can check out our link tree. It's in the episode's description. It's linktr.ee slash ruined childhoods. And I want to thank anybody who listened to this podcast and went on to the My Roadcast Uh, podcasting competition and uh, voted for Statue of Limitations. Unfortunately, I did not win the voting portion of this, uh, but I did get first runner up for the competition overall. Yeah. uh, Judged on, voted on by uh, actual people in the industry, the the internet and podcasting industry, and um, I am... Hugely grateful to the judges as well as Rode microphones, whose gear I love and use. And I'm I won some new gear, which is exciting. It's some of the same stuff that I have that that I got for my my job, um, but this is gonna be my own stuff, which is exciting. And you know, because of this, I'm going to move forward with uh, Statue of Limitations in a more intentional way. And uh, so I'll keep you posted about anything going on with that. I, I'm going to be pitching it around a little bit to some of the networks because one of my goals is to be able to pay the participants, any of the panelists that helped me go back in time year by year of the Academy Awards to try to figure out what movies were overlooked due to Racism, xenophobia, homophobia, uh, even like the Red Scare. You know, it's like there's so many reasons discrimination, why. all sorts of discrimination. Yeah, so uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. Um, Dan, you've already told everyone what we're doing on the next episode, but just because it's what we do on the show, remind everyone.
0: Back to the shack. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be 1980s Caddyshack, 1988's Caddyshack two, uh, which I, which I mean, wow, uh, Caddyshack definitely has its legion of fans. Caddyshack two has its legions of detractors and, and fans, and and, and fans. Yes, you know what and. It may just be us, but yeah. Anyway, uh we're gonna be talking all about Caddyshack. Uh so looking for looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, and Dan, as you ride along in the limo behind the tour bus, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Rock and
0: roll. <laughs>
1: Punk Rock tried to kill the metal, but they failed and they were smashed
2: to the ground.